0: The development of mRNA based vaccines has represented a major advance in the field of vaccine development. Rather than using weakened or inactivated viruses to stimulate an immune response to generate protective antibodies, mRNA based vaccines provide a potentially safer and more effective approach. mRNA vaccines work by introducing a small piece of mRNA into the body, which encodes instructions to produce. A specific viral protein for the cell to manufacture. This protein then triggers an immune response, leading to the production of antibodies that can protect against specific diseases. Combined Therapeutics has designed a modified mRNA based vaccine platform that allows for the inhibition of protein expression in specific tissues, enabling targeted vaccine treatment and preventing off target side effects. It's designed to be adaptable and efficient, which makes possible rapid production of vaccines for a wide range of diseases and disease variants. We spoke to Thomas VanCott, Chief Scientific Officer of Combined Therapeutics, about the company's mRNA platform for vaccines, the advantages it provides, and its potential to use the same approach to train the immune system on specific mutations in a tumor. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, thanks for inviting me. It's
0: a pleasure. We're going to talk about Combined Therapeutics, its platform for delivering targeted mRNA therapies to improve immunotherapies, and its platform technology for both immunomodulators and vaccines. Since the COVID outbreak, I imagine many people have become familiar with mRNA, but perhaps we should start there. Can you explain what mRNA is and what it does?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe just, you know, even to start maybe to back up just a little bit. You know, right now mRNA as everybody knows and you introduced is being used for the COVID vaccine. And you know, this didn't happen overnight. I mean, there there's a long history on trying to develop sort of the optimal, you know, the best platform for vaccines and therapeutics. And if you kind of look at the history You know, scientists have tried many different types of platforms. They've tried many different approaches, you know, for vaccines. And the idea is always to, you know, elicit the best immune response and the best protective immunity, you know, possible and try to bring both the antibody and the cell cell mediated immunity into action. So, you know, scientists and companies have tried approaches from Live attenuated vaccines, whole inactivated vaccines, you know recombinant proteins, viral vectors, and even plasmid DNA, and you know all of these had their pros and cons, but none of them really were able to elicit that kind of long-awaited, strong, potent, you know, uh, immunity. And then mRNA kind of came onto the scene now. That wasn't yesterday. mRNA has been worked on for a while as a platform for vaccines and therapeutics. Um, And it just turns out, you know, that this has become a really excellent platform to use for both vaccines and therapeutics. So so why, why is that? Well, you know, mRNA is made in the body continuously. Your cells produce mRNA. That's the blueprint to producing all the needed proteins that makes a cell function and makes a cell work. So the mRNA is really, is really the blueprint. And, you know, so what we're doing when we're, you know, administering an mRNA vaccine, we are just giving the cells one additional piece of mRNA to convert into a protein. Um, And in this case, if we can get the mRNA into the cell, then its regular cellular mechanism will be able to convert that particular piece of mRNA into a protein, and the protein that we're targeting. And if this is a vaccine, and if this is a foreign protein, so meaning if this is a protein that your body does not normally produce, then your immune system is going to see that as something foreign. It's gonna see that as something that shouldn't be there and it will mount an immune response and then it will be primed if it ever sees that protein again, for example, if it's on the surface of a virus or a bacteria. So really using mRNA is just taking advantage of the body and the cells normal uh, cellular processes and giving it just another piece of mRNA uh, to, to use to make a protein that in this case we think can be very helpful as a vaccine, or it could be a protein that the body needs for therapeutic
0: purposes. We can exploit the body's own machinery with mRNA to produce these proteins, but what makes this preferable to delivering these proteins rather than just making the protein and and giving that to the patient.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's really, you know, I see a couple of advantages to that. And you know, the first one really, you know, is production. You know, how how do we how do we make an mRNA vaccine versus how we make a more traditional vaccine. And to make an mRNA vaccine, it is actually much quicker and I think we saw that with our response to COVID. I mean, I think everybody was amazed at how quickly we could, A, kind of identify the, the virus itself and then convert that into a vaccine. And so when you're actually producing an mRNA vaccine, you actually save a couple of steps, production steps or manufacturing steps that you need for a protein. Um, all you really need is the sequence. Um, and you could use the sequence of a, you know, particular, you know, infectious disease, or it could be the sequence of a, of a tumor antigen. Um, and then once you have that sequence, you know, you can make quickly a, a, a DNA template, and then convert that DNA template into an mRNA product. And then we can talk about how you formulate that and how you administer it. But it's a really much faster process and therefore it's a less expensive process to make an mrna vaccine versus making uh making having to make the entire protein because with the protein you're actually need to make you know you have to actually get cells outside of the body in these bioreactors in a gmp manufacturing suite you have to grow these cells up to very large volumes and then you need to purify out the protein and get rid of any potential contaminations. And then you would take that protein and that could be your vaccine. Whereas with the mRNA, once you've made the mRNA, that can be injected and then your cells actually make and produce that protein. So the body itself is making the protein and and there won't be any sort of contaminations when the body makes the the protein itself, so that's so that's really one advantage, and you know it's the rapidity that you can go from sequence to make the mRNA, and it is a more simplistic manufacturing process than you would do with protein. But the second, but the second thing, and this is really important too, um, and this is more from a um, therapeutic and vaccine perspective, is that you know. Anytime you're producing a protein, the cell itself that's used to make the protein can have a slightly different imprint on that protein. Each cell could make it slightly differently. And so if you're actually making it in the body, you will be making that protein exactly the same way as it would be presented, say, by a virus or or, say by a bacteria. So you're going to have a much better mimic of the potential pathogen pathogen that you may see. And then second, and maybe we'll talk about this a little bit more, that when you're actually making your vaccine within your own cells, you're actually able to um, mount in some ways an an improved immune response against that particular protein, especially when it comes to something called cell mediated immunity
0: one of the challenges of mrna has been delivery to where in the body it needs to go for both safety and efficacy reasons how big a limitation has this been
1: yeah no i mean that it's it's a it's really is a it's a pretty big limitation and and it's in all different fields i mean we could talk about you know, gene therapies. We could talk about in vivo gene editing. You know, there's a lot of uh, hope to be able to do in vivo cell engineering for, say, CAR T cells, um, but also in in the case of vaccines. So really what you want to be able to do is you want to be able to direct your protein expression to the specific cell's where you want that protein expressed. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you're trying to treat something like a disease like muscular dystrophy, right? That's a disease in the muscle. Well, you really wanna get that protein expression in the muscle. You wanna deliver that corrected dystrophin gene into the muscle. And you don't really need it to go anywhere else. You'd like it specifically to the muscle. But the same thing is true if you're trying to correct, say, some defect in vision. You want that protein to be expressed in the eye. And same thing for a liver disease. If there's a, um, you would want that protein to be, you know, specifically expressed in the liver. So that is a challenge. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, a lot of people are working, a lot of smart, right folks are working on is, you know, the delivery vehicle itself. And I think we'll talk about a little bit later. Um, but if you just, your conventional delivery of an mRNA, um, that likes to go predominantly to the liver, but it's really going to go throughout the body. Um, there's a lot of studies that are trying to make this more precise, Um but really that's going to go throughout the body. So what, so there are limitations and there's a huge desire in all of those kinds of fields that I discussed where we would like to get more selected targeted delivery. And, you know, and the reason for that is, you know, you can improve potency and you could have, you know, fewer off target effects and ultimately improve the safety of any of the products that you're using.
0: Combined Therapeutics uses liquid nanoparticles to deliver its mRNA therapies. What does it do to target one cell type over another or a tumor cell rather than a healthy cell?
1: Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, actually, you know, most of the mRNA is is using what they call lipid nanoparticles. Um, And these are composed of four different lipids all which have you know very important properties and you know the goal of these kinds of deliveries is that you know if you just injected mRNA into the body you know it would your body would pretty quickly degrade it you know and it wouldn't it doesn't really last very long on its own so it needs to have some way of protecting it from um any degradation materials within the body so these lipid nanoparticles are an excellent way, and there was a lot of research involved in developing and optimizing these, but this is a way that you can encapsulate the mRNA, meaning that this lipid nanoparticle can protect the mRNA from de- degradation, and it also enhances the ability of it to get into a cell. So the lipid nanoparticle will get into the cell and then release the mRNA, and that's where you can get the mRNA um, expression within the cell. Now, many companies are developing better and improved versions of of the lipid nanoparticles, and we have had the opportunity to to work with a lot of these different companies that are trying to be more precise at targeting. But our approach, so the approach with combined therapeutics, is actually very complementary and additive to all these approaches. So, what we're really doing is we're modifying the mRNA itself and basically putting a, you know, go, no go signal on the mRNA, depending upon the particular cell that it gets into or depending upon the particular tissue that it gets into. So, if we want our mRNA to express and produce protein, in a muscle, we will make sure we don't have any inhibitory sequences in our mRNA. But if we don't want it to be expressed in, say, the liver, then we'll have the signal that would prevent the protein from being produced and expressed in the liver.
0: That's very cool. Is What's known about your ability to do this to date and does this allow you to use systemic delivery of of your therapies and vaccines?
1: Yeah. So, yes, and it does. It does allow us to to do systemic delivery. So, in the in the case of our lead candidates, which in this case is an intramuscular administration of an mRNA vaccine, yes, we can do systemic administration and we can control where that protein gets expressed. Because as I had said before, most of the lipid nanoparticle deliveries will deliver your mRNA to multiple different cells and tissues within the body. But with our technology, it won't allow that mRNA to be translated and expressed and produce protein, but only in the tissues that we want it to be expressed, where we think that we would the, the body would have a benefit of producing those particular proteins.
0: So explain exactly how you're able to do that. Is is this your multi-organ protective binding mIRNA sequences? Yeah, no, ex-
1: yes, exactly.
0: Um, so unpack that. What what are those and, and how do they work? Sure.
1: So yeah, we call it our, our MOP or our multi-organ protection. And what we do here is, you know, there is a property of cells that was discovered a while back. And this is a property that we're leveraging. And what it is, is that we know that pretty much every cell in the body, um, we talked about how cells produce proteins, but they also produce another entity, which are called micro RNAs or, you know, very small RNAs. So these are small pieces of RNA, maybe about 22 base pairs, um, as opposed to proteins that may have hundreds of uh, base bars for the encoding mRNA. But what's really interesting, if you go around and look at all the different cells throughout the body, looking in different tissues, looking in muscle or lung or heart or pancreas, it turns out that the microRNAs that are produced by these different cells are all different. Um, you know, turns out there's thousands of these different microRNAs, but no two cells produces the same array of these different microRNAs. And that's exactly what we're leveraging. So there are databases and there's been a lot of research that has shown, you know, this particular muscle cell can produce these particular microRNAs, and this particular liver cell will produce, you know, this particular array of microRNAs. And so, what we do, and we take our mRNA, and in in what we call a non-coding region. So this is a re- region that really just controls um, the expression of that of that RNA. We insert binding sites to the microRNA. So, for example, so if, for example, that RNA got into, say, a liver cell, and we had a microRNA binding site, if that liver cell made that microRNA, it would bind to the microRNA binding site and prevent that RNA from expressing that protein which would lead to degradation of that mRNA. So if we know where we do not want our proteins to be expressed, then we would add a microRNA binding site that um, corresponds to that particular cell type. And we can add multiple binding sites. We can add three, four, five, six, you know, to this non-coding region. So you can really engineer this into your mRNA, and it tells, you know, it pretty much would prevent those partic- you know proteins to be expressed in cells where you do not want. So if, I, if we think about a vaccine, for example, you want that vaccine to be expressed at the injection site in the muscle. So we make sure there's no microRNAs that would prevent expression in the muscle. But we don't want that protein to be expressed, say, in the liver or the heart. So we'll add those binding sites that correspond to microRNAs that are produced in the liver or the heart. And in this way, we can get selectivity.
0: You also have a a, a second platform, which is used for drug modulation. This is used to produce therapeutic proteins in tumor cells and leave healthy cells alone. What's this and, and how does that work?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, so this is very similar to what we just talked about with our mock. Um, And this platform really includes the mRNA with our multi-organ protection or these microRNA binding sites combined with a lipid nanoparticle or any delivery system. And it turns out that you know what we were just talking about, when we said if we looked at muscle cells or liver cells or heart cells, how you have a different array of microRNAs, it turns out, interestingly, that you know, for example, in the liver, if you look at a healthy liver cell versus a uh, tumor or a cancerous liver cell, There is also a different array of microRNAs. And some microRNAs lose expression when that liver cell becomes a cancer cell. And that is something that we can also take advantage of. So if you're directing a treatment, if you're directing this mRNA MOP platform to treat a cancer cell in the liver, We can add a microRNA binding site that's present in the healthy cell, but not present in the tumor cell, which thereby selectively allows expression of your cargo or of your protein in the tumor cell and not the healthy cell. So it's a very similar concept uh, for the vaccine. It's all about understanding how these different microRNAs are distributed and modulated, you know, with say a disease course that can allow us to more selectively uh, um, engineer where we want those proteins to be expressed.
0: The company has said it expects to be in the clinic in 2024. Does it have a pipeline at this point?
1: yeah we do have a pipeline um we have our own internal we sort of have a two fold um plan we have our own internal pipeline and but we're also working with um some other uh partners that have really interesting say antigens or uh, therapeutic proteins that they want to use our platform in but yeah, we have our own pipeline, and we will be initiating. CMC activities or manufacturing activities um, in Q4 of this year with our lead candidate getting the clinical trials in 2025. And, you know, you kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier, but our lead candidate right now, you know, the candidate they will be working with our CDMO partners to produce um, in Q4 is what we actually call a molecular adjuvant. And This is an entity that can actually enhance the activity of any vaccine. So, if you think about it, even the current really efficacious vaccines that are on the market now, say for COVID, um, we still need to, um, you know, provide multiple, you know, immunizations uh, because the duration, it, 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 you know, the. the immune response doesn't last forever, right? It declines over time, so you have to keep, um, you know, boosting uh, those vaccines. And second of all, there are some populations that respond less well to these mRNA vaccines, you know, populations such as elderly and immunocompromised uh, individuals. And the thing with our molecular adjuvant approach is that we can actually restore that immunogenicity in some of these immunocompromised populations. And by doing that, what that allows us to do is a couple of things. One, it can, you know, lower the dose and require fewer shots, which will certainly help with compliance and certainly help with lower costs. And But it can also provide, you know, a longer window of vaccine protection. And as I say, be a little bit more universal for a wider range of uh, the population. So, yeah, so we are working, uh, we have our, as we said, we have our own product that that I just described that we're, you know, moving forward into CMC activity. So it's really exciting uh, for the company. And we're working with partners both in Um, the infectious disease uh, vaccine market and in the cancer uh, market where they're going to be, well, we'll work together. We'll use our platform for the targeted expression with or without our molecular adjuvants.
0: Is it understood what that's doing to amplify the effects of a vaccine?
1: Yeah. So, you know, an adjuvant, so something like um, what we're using, it just better stimulates your immune cells, right? It enhances, say, uptake by really important antigen-presenting cells. It helps stimulate your T cells and B cells, you know, to produce important antibodies or, or uh, T helper or T um, cytotoxic T cells. So they're just they these adjuvants can help potentiate the activity of a particular vaccine.
0: Given the broad potential of the technology, how are you going about identifying and and prioritizing indications you'll pursue? Yeah,
1: there is broad applicability, um which you know excites us, but it's it's you know um, but we're focusing now, you know our primary focus is is on vaccines, both infectious disease and cancers um, and really any application where you know greater potency uh, and more targeted expression, you know, is needed for your vaccine. So, um, you know, and, and of course, e- especially in those indications, uh, where, you know, we are going into divergent populations and where you want to make sure that your, the vaccine itself is providing, uh, protection across, you know, across age, across different, uh, um, health profiles.
0: And in terms of business models, you you talked about this vaccine adjuvant, which is is applicable across the board to vaccines. How are you thinking in, in terms of the opportunity from a licensing point of view versus the development of your own pipeline?
1: yeah no very good question. we think obviously think about that all the time, but you know, number one, we do have our own pipeline that we're moving forward that we've identified, and you know going into our c m c studies and planning for clinical trials to evaluate safety and immunogenicity, but at the same time, you know we have uh many partners that we've been you know especially after coming out of the the bio meeting last week that um, and, and other conferences before that are very interested in, in using our platform. They have, you know, they've spent a lot of time identifying some really important, um, antigens or targets. And, you know, they were working together to, you know, take their targets, put them into our mRNA platform, uh, alone or together with the, um, with a molecular adjuvant. So we kind of have that dual development path by our own pipeline and then one that we're pursuing with partners, you know, you know, we haven't really talked about it, but we're a small company. Um, And, you know, obviously we can only do, we can, we can only do so much and focusing on our couple lead candidates makes sense, but then teaming with experts from, from other, other entities, that we can work together to co-develop uh, makes a lot of sense to us. And that's how we're, that's how we're moving. That's how we're moving forward.
0: The company has been successful at raising some money through grants and, and through winning challenges, as well as uh, getting lab space that way. As you think about financing, how, how is the company funded to date and how far will existing funding take you?
1: Sure. Yeah, we have been fortunate.
0: You know, I think you you always remember some of your first
1: investors, right? And, you know, we were very fortunate kind of early on that we got the attention of uh, Merck, Millipore, Sigma, that was excited about our mRNA platform and our ability to, you know, target protein expression. So they did give a big helping hand to us in our early days to, you know, be able to purchase equipment that allowed us to You know, produce our research lots of mRNA and do our, you know, lipid nanoparticle formulations where we were able to conduct all our preclinical studies. So really excited and happy, uh, and thankful to their support in the early days. And of course, utilizing, um, leveraging that equipment and know how, you know, allowed us to produce our preclinical data, which of course, um, allowed us to get external funding and, you know, we're happy to announce we just successfully closed uh, Series B with investors from U.S., Europe, and Asia. And the company is now well-funded with a runway into 2025 and and well-positioned to reach uh, and fund our IND filing.
0: How, how big was that round?
1: Um, we haven't disclosed the amount of that round yet, but I think we will be having a press release very shortly.
0: Tom VanCott. Chief Scientific Officer of Combined Therapeutics. Tom, thanks so much for your time today.
1: Hey, no, it was it was my pleasure. Thanks a lot for doing this.
0: Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast managers.